Hello and welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast, where we desire to see a world transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, you can send a message to info at mycrossroads.co. Now, let's get our hearts and minds ready for a powerful message from God's Word. Well, good morning, everybody. As of uh, about a week and a little bit ago, I now, in fact, when I greet you, have to say, G'day, y'all, because uh, we became citizens of this great land. Thank you. We, uh, we feel very welcomed, we feel very loved, and um, it felt like the time was right to take the steps. So we are honoured and blessed to be family with you in more ways than one. You can't get rid of us now! <laughs> oh, dear. That's all right, let's just uh, take that note off of there. Oh, why don't we just stop and pray again for a second? There's some notes there to get through, and I've just learnt over the years the Lord will show which ones he wants us to hit. But let's just, again, just get in that space with him. Lord, we love you. We love you today. We thank you for your goodness. You are the God of always perfect love. You are the God who did everything that needed to be done. For us to encounter you, experience you, be drawn into you, not just for eternity, but now as well. You are the God who is the all-powerful creator that created everything, even things we know nothing about. That is who you are. And even though the magnificence of creation that we do understand and know blows our mind, we compare it to what you created by creating us. And in your eyes, as the divine creator who could have created anything, when you created us in your image, you stopped, you drew breath, and you declared that it was very, and so we declare with you that your very good creation is gathered in this room today, along with online and around the world, but here in this space right now, gathered here today. And we say, Lord, speak to us. Draw us in closer. Take us deeper still into this divine relationship that we have been created for. For your love is simply magnificent. And we say yes in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to wish all you American men a happy Australian Father's Day. That's one of the benefits of having citizenship and passports in two countries. You get to celebrate it twice. So happy Father's Day, men. Um, the guys in Australia have just uh, sat around and celebrated that. So because it's Aussie Father's Day, I get to tell you an Aussie dad story. Is that okay? All right. So before we get there, though, I want to hold you in tension, Aussie dad story. Every so often there's a message that comes my way. There's a message of, or a devotion time with the Lord, or I preach something, and Mark has to hold a mirror up to Mark. He's got to do that. 
I have to allow Holy Spirit to confront this thing in here if I'm going to model transformation. And so this morning, you get the joy of doing that as well. Okay, so who's ready to hold a mirror up to their heart as we go on a journey this morning? Yeah, because this is the real stuff. This is the stuff where we go, we trust God that much that we would let him do a work in our heart. And so this morning, I want to talk about poo. You heard it right. P-O-O. So a story. My dad, uh, long before I was born, was dating my mum, and I'm thankful he was because then I was born. But he was dating my mum, it was back in the 50s, and uh, they were going out to a country dance. And it was night time, I'm guessing it was winter, because the story goes it was raining. So this is sort of in family folklore story. And it was raining, it was coming down. And uh, my dad was driving my mum, and she's all dressed up in her beautiful dance dress, evening gown. And and my dad's got the one and only suit I think he ever owned. Uh, We probably even buried him in it many years ago. I never saw him in another suit, so I'm guessing it was the same suit. And he's got his tie on, and he's got his girl by his side. Realised he was running low on gas. And so uh, he pulled off into a country service station, and back in those days, they weren't open 24 hours a day, and uh, so it was closed. But in Australia, and I don't know if it was the same here, but uh, the service attendant used to live in the gas station behind those little residents. And so if the place was closed, it wasn't a problem. You simply went out, went around the back, knock on the door, and the service attendant would come out and pump your gas. So it, it's raining, it's outside, and uh, Dad's got the, the place is closed, realise he needs gas, and says to Mum, her, her name is Diane, his name is Lindsay, and he says, Di, he said, why don't you wait here, I'll go around and I'll get the guy to come on out and pump gas. She goes, okay. Well, off he goes. He walks around the side, opens a gate, and goes in to knock on the door. Well, my mum's waiting out there in the car, and it's, you know, 10 minutes go, 15 minutes go, 20 minutes go, 25, 30 minutes transpire, and Dad hasn't come back. And she thinks, how long can it be to go and knock on a door to get a guy to come out and get gas? Something must be wrong. And so she gets out of the car in her nice evening dress. It's pouring rain, and she goes down the side gate. She opens up the fence, and opens up the gate to the fence, and she hears a rather disturbing sound. She hears, uh... She's listening, and she hears, Oh! She goes, Lindsay, is that you? And he hears, yes. Where are you? I'm down here. Down where? So she's walking along the edge. She gets the, the thing. She comes to the edge. There is a giant hole in the ground. The person who owned the service station had dug a big hole to put a new gas tank in the ground. So you can imagine how deep this hole is. This is not a little hole. And what my dad had done, he'd opened the gate and he'd gone waltzing in to knock on the door, didn't see it, and went, bang, into the pit. Now, if the story had stopped just there, that probably would have been bad enough because he not only landed in the pit, he landed flat on his back. And by now, with the rain, there was mud and water in the pit. So he's in his good suit and he's covered in mud and water. So he finally sort of shakes himself too. He doesn't know if he passed out as the story goes or whether he was awake the whole time. But he gets up and he turns around to walk out and he steps and a rake Bang, comes right up and smacks him. And this is cartoon material. He smacks him fair on the forehead and bang, down he goes again. This time he is out cold, flat on his back in the muddy, muddy pit. 
it started like a normal day for me. I was going about my business. I was leading an organisation at the time. This is going back a long time now. And I got a phone call. And it was one of the members of the leadership team that said, Mark, could you come in for a meeting tonight? We actually want to have a budget meeting. And I thought, I don't remember that being on our cards, but yeah, okay, sure, I'll come in for a budget meeting. I walked into the budget meeting. I sat down only a handful of minutes in. I realised this was no budget meeting. This was a coup. In that moment, I'm sort of sitting down and a few things started to come my way and out of nowhere, I found myself in a pit. A pit of offence. P-O-O. I was in poo. Oh, I tried to get out. I remember being in that moment and feeling everything rise up within me. And I'm, I'm sure you've been in moments similar to that in your own context. You can feel something rise up within me. And I went to get up and go, okay, I've got to dust myself up. And all of a sudden, another comment was made and bang, get hit again and down I go. And I get up and another one was made and bang, get hit and down again. I go. I was offended. My pit, I stayed in it for two years. I want to help you get out of any pit that either you're in or in the future you find yourself in in a whole lot quicker time than that. If I knew then what I know now, I would have saved myself one year, 364 days, 23 hours and 55 minutes. But I didn't. And it took me two years. I want to share a scripture with you quickly this morning. It's found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. There's our time there. Okay. Jesus rejected at Nazareth. Jesus had left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, this, his hometown. The next Sabbath he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. We don't know if it was the same they that were amazed as this, as this they that scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honoured everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any mighty miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. I want to say that the moment we get offended, there are some welcome and yet unwelcome friends that want to gather around. I want to introduce you to the concept by watching this video. Looks like somebody's been down here with the ugly stick. us. We're not Mexicans. We're from out of town. We were wondering if you could tell us where the best hotel in town is. There's no hotel in this town. Great. No hotel. I could kill somebody. Excuse me. You are the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> we have heard of you. No kidding. <laughs> I have a message for you. A German says to wait here. Mm, yeah. Well, so long as we've got some time to kill, I think I'll have a beer. We don't have no beer, just tequila. What, what's tequila? Yeah, it's like beer. <laughs> Is it fattening? Fattening? Forget it. If it's like beer, we'll have some. Three tequilas. Sure, sure, amigos. Enjoy yourselves. <laughs> Try not to get into too much troubles, okay? <laughs> Thank you. Ah. Watered down. <laughs> it's probably watered down. The Three Amigos, the, I mean, the great movie, is about these three uh, silent film actors uh, that happened upon a, um, an impoverished Mexican village. And these people in the Mexican village actually think they're very real heroes, that they're vigilantes, that they're the kind of freedom fighters that will help them uh, somewhere down the track. When, when we fall into the pit of offence, there's three amigos that gather around that promise a whole host of different things, but really they keep us forced in the pit. And these three amigos are named judgment, pride, and unforgiveness. They're the three amigos that when we are tempted to go straight into the poo, the pit of offence, it's like at that moment this indignation rises up inside of us and it's like the bat signal in the sky. It's like shooting up the flare and in come the three amigos and they come riding into town. They can't wait and they'll circle around our huts and they'll gather around and, and gather a whole garrison of, of, of protection around our hearts and, and nobody come in here. And we know we've got the three amigos when we start saying things to ourselves like, why, what nerve have they got? Who do they think they are? Don't they know what I have been going through as well? Oh, the three amigos start feeding into us a story that builds what we call a false narrative or a pseudo-reality. Oh, it feels like it's real. It sure sounds like it's real. But there is a truth that gets built around the situation, the event that takes place, that feeds in and builds a false reality. And that false reality keeps us stuck in the pit of offence. The pit of offence, we have a look here in Proverbs 18, 19. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. See, the nature of this pit of offence is so very, very real that this pseudo-reality, this, this false truth that we build starts to happen like when we say things like, you know, they did that to me. I bet you they've been doing that to other people as well. I bet you that's not the first time. Or I saw Fred and John in that conversation the other day. I'm guessing they were talking about me. 
Or I wonder about that look that Mary shot across the room. Now I really know. And we start to look at people with suspicion and we start to add and every little nuance or subtle thing starts feeding into this reality. And the reality it has to be there because judgment, pride and unforgiveness, the only way they can remain is if that reality gets built up and sustained. There's a real danger to this reality and that is truth. It's dealing with offence, dealing with these three helpful, unhelpful amigos has to start with truth. And, and a phenomenon I've noticed in my own life and I've observed broader in the body of Christ because it's true of us all in humanity is that when we are holding on to offence, we, we, we say we want intimacy with God, but inside we're craving it at such a deep level. The reason being is that judgment, pride and unforgiveness try to guard our hearts, but also guard our hearts from Jesus. Because if the truth enters in, they have to get on their horse and get out of town because they can't be sustained when there's only real truth. They can only be sustained when there's a false truth that they themselves have built up. And so today, one thing I want to look at is going to a place where we can deal with and find process to dealing with offence before we get there, and we are, this is actually not long, we're going to get there in just a few moments' time, I want to bring some perspective. In the book of Colossians, chapter 1, this is the insidious nature of offence. The book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 15 and 17, says this. Christ is the invisible image of, is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. This is Jesus now. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Another words, there is not a single thing in this creative act that was done apart from Jesus. There is no authority that is above him. When he says, all authority has been given to me, he means all because all means all and that's all all means. He is it. He is the top dog. He is the king cat. He is everything and some when it comes to being the guy who is all authority. No one created anything without his knowledge. No one did anything at all without him being fully aware. He was the one that saw nothing and made something. He is the serial entrepreneur. He is everything you could imagine. And then we find this. Mark chapter 6. And because of their unbelief, which started because they were offended, he couldn't do. I'm not sure there's any other places really in Scripture where we see something like this. It's one of the most astounding passages of Scripture. He couldn't, not wouldn't, he couldn't do any mighty miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. 
Here is the guy that has created everything. Here is the guy that is the all authority. But in the face of offence, can do nothing. Such is the insidious power of offence. You can have the kingdom of God within you, but it won't work through you while you're holding offence. I know I've got a room full of people right here because I'm included in them as well who want to see miracles in their life. There are things I'm praying for and believing for. I'm sure there's things you're praying for and believing for. But I read that and I say, if I've got hold of offence, I can pray myself till I am blue in the face. Nothing is going to work through me while I'm holding on to offence. The, the moment for me when I fell into the pit and my three comrades of pride, judgment and unforgiveness came down there with me and held me in there for two years was I came to that realisation that how bad did I want hold, to hold on to this offence? When I realised its relationship to miracles, I recognised it's not just me that this is affecting. This is affecting my wife. This is affecting my kids. This is affecting the people that believe in the vision God has called us to go after because I can pray and contend for miracles all I like. But while I'm holding on to offence, I have put a ceiling on anything God can do through me. And I had to look at it and go, how desperately do I want to hold on to this? I remember the night when it happened. I woke up early hours and uh, there was just one word that sat in my mind. Again, I was still clouded with the offence. And the Lord said, truth. In other words, allow him to enter in and reveal truth. And this was the mirror holding moment. This was the moment Mark had to pick up the mirror and hold it up to his heart and go, do I dare to stare into a place where I didn't want to go and trust him more than I had trusted him before to allow him to reveal truth and set me free. And so this morning, I want you to close your eyes. We're going to go into a bit of a, a time of ministry and prayer right now. Um, just to close your eyes there for a few minutes. And I want you to ask if Holy Spirit, and maybe it's already come to your mind, if there's a, a name that perhaps you've been holding an offence towards. A very real event may have occurred to you just like it did to me. It may have been a terribly painful event. You found that it sent up the beacon and it shouted out and the three amigos of pride, judgment, unforgiveness come riding into town and gathered around your heart. they've stayed. Maybe there's been a few times you've tried to get up but they keep smacking you down again with a, another false reality and keep you there. And maybe there's a name associated that with you. Just tuck that away in your spirit. And if not, that's okay. There's perhaps some learning outcomes. It's probably amazing if you haven't because most of us carry offenses of some sort. But as we go through this step, just to imagine the event, to imagine that person, imagine the things that have taken place in your life. See, this is what happens to Mark. When I step into the pit of offense, when I find myself in the poo and it's smelly because you can tell when someone's offended, it's like, oh, there's something not right there. You know it, I know it. It's because in that moment when the event happened, I've kicked 
God off the throne and I've placed myself on the judgment seat. I've now seen myself as judge, jury and executioner in this matter of my life. So first of all, I have to confess that I'm offended, but then confess to God that I kicked him off his judgment seat and I'm sitting myself firmly in that place. The second thing is pride. And I have to confess that, and that's a hard one. But here's how it sounds to me when I'm saying it back to God. I say, God, not only did I kick you off the judgment seat and put myself right there, I confess that, and that was wrong. But when I sat in that judgment seat, I looked at you in the corner and I said, God, why don't you watch and learn because I am actually the real authority on these matters. I was there. I know what it was. I know what it felt like. But watch and learn as, as I sit in this spot. So I think you could learn a thing or two. So that's pride. It's arrogant. It's real. It's ugly. But it needs to be confessed. So I deal with my judgment and I confess it and I deal with my pride and I give language to it. Your language might sound different to mine. That's just mine. And then I deal with the unforgiveness and I say, God, I invite you back onto the throne because you are the rightful judge. You are the all authority. Mark is not. And I thank you that instead of giving me judgment, you've given me mercy. You had every right to be offended at me and my sin, but instead you ran at me with grace and mercy and wrapped me up in arms of love. And now that which I have received, I freely give to that person or that group or whoever it might be. And I release any hold that my heart wants to have on them. And I seek your forgiveness for trying to hold them in an unforgiveness cycle. In that moment, something miraculous truly happens. It's the first of new miracles. Mark is once again set free. This morning, the altar is open for you to respond in any way you want to respond. And perhaps there's an offence that is a very fresh offence. It may only be a few hours old. Maybe it's a day or a week or a month. Or maybe, like me, it's one that's been stuck in there for some time now. Some events, fences are even family-driven and they've been there for generations. I ask the question, how bad do you want to hold on onto it? when you look at the miracles God wants you to partner with him in? How bad do you want to hold on to that offense when he wants to release miracles over your family, in your business, in your community, in your church, through you? How desperate do you need to hold on to that offense? There's a lot at stake here today. Now I've wondered before, why did Jesus still have the capacity to heal a few sick people? I got really sick one time for an extended period of time. When you're that sick, offences pale into insignificance. He could heal them because they weren't offended. I want to ask you the question, do you need to get that sick before you realise that? Or today, are you ready to release it back to God? Put him in that area of your life back on the judgment seat. Confess your pride. 
and the forgiveness you've received, release it to the people you've been holding in an unforgiveness cycle through your offense. I believe it's time to send the false three vigilantes, the three amigos that promise so much but actually hold us back to put them on their horses and send them out of town. For the real three companions are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who have already fought the battle. It's already been won. The victory is yours. It's time. Jesus got what he paid for. Miracles in you and through your life to the glory of God. The altar is open. The time is yours. Thank you so much for listening to the Crossroads Church Podcast. If you'd like to listen to past Crossroads Church Podcast, you can go to mycrossroads.co slash podcast. Once again, thanks for listening.